I'm Mark Raven from Kinexus. Welcome to episode 20 of Ask Us Anything. And I'm really happy to be joined, as always, by our co-founder and CEO, Dr. Greg Jacobson. How are you, Greg? Doing great. Good afternoon, Mark. Good to see you. And I'm excited that we've got, uh, you know, we always, we have the good problem in a way of having more questions than we can handle in 30 minutes, but we'll, we'll give it our best shot and we'll come back and do episode 21 at some point and certainly encourage people to um, continue submitting questions during the website. Or if you want to, you can use the question panel in um, go to webinar. And if we don't get to them today, I'll make sure we save those questions for the next time. It's kind of like when you bake bread, you got to leave a little yeast or something for the for the next batch, so to speak. Well, for, and, a, for a sourdough, yeah. Right. There you go. That's that's what it is. Hey, yeah. before we and, get into uh, questions, Mark, I'd like to ask you a question. Okay. I know you've been working on a book. You've been publishing it in a really interesting way. And uh, where are you at? Tell us, tell us about... Um, measures of success and uh, that process. Yeah, so I've been um, almost done with um, a new book. I'll hold up um, here on my phone, at least. That's what the uh, the cover of the ebook, e-book looks like, um, Measures of Success. And the subtitle is pretty cuts to the chase, React Less, Lead Better, Improve More. And uh, it, it, I've been publishing it uh, through a process called either lean publishing or incremental publishing, where at first it was just the first three chapters, people could buy it. Uh, and then as I published additional chapters, as there were edits, as there were revisions, uh, those early buyers get notified that the new version is out. So that's been a really good way to get feedback and not just sit and work in secrecy. And uh, real close, probably a week or two to having uh, the book done enough to go and publish it on the Amazon Kindle store and then start working on uh, a paperback version because there are people who are still asking for that paperback. Well, congratulations. I know it's a huge effort to to do that, number one. Number two, you mentioned the word incrementalism, and I know we have a ton of questions, but I want to get to that word because about three things going on right now. But but first, mm-hmm. I'd love to see a lean application where that's kind of the manifestation of it in, in the publishing world, right? The software application of, of kind of incrementalism is agile. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's been fun as you've been writing the book, you are infusing a lot of that knowledge in the day-to-day of Kinexus and uh, getting us to react less, lead more, and uh, oh, I'm blanking the third part. Do have better, lead, lead better, improve more, improve um, more, right? And leading so more, I guess, is a good thing too. <laughs> um, so that's good. But if you, what's interesting is, so love, I love the Freakonomics podcast. I think behavioral economics and behavioral science is so important to to lean and continuous improvement and to to grasp that I think is only going to make you a better lean leader, number one. But if you, if interestingly, if you Google the word incrementalism, it it talks about uh, something a little bit different, which kind of talks about how people's mores can be eroded, but, oh, I'm Mm going to just do a little crime and then I'm going to do a little bit more of a crime. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting, um, 
it's an interesting definition. So when we when we use the word incrementalism, I think in the lean context, what we're talking about is not eroding our our morals and and starting out as a small petty criminal and ending up as a mass murderer. But we're really kind of talking about that slow evolution of 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 doing something bigger and breaking it down in individual steps. And then I'm always reminded of the expression, the enemy of, of good is better. And uh, how is that applied or, or has that applied in the, the publishing process in this way? Well, I think, well, you talk about agile and lean publishing is very much like the idea of a lean startup. Right. Lean startup teaches you have um, come up with something, hopefully that meets a market need and is adding value to people, but to um, go launch with a minimum viable product. So Lean Publishing encourages you to get public with a minimum viable book and uh, improve it and add to it from there. And so if, if nobody had bought the early book, I, I may have decided to pull the plug on the whole <laughs> initiative. So there's an element of market test. Uh, there's, there's an element of getting feedback and I think getting past the barrier of saying, well, I'm going to just work in secrecy until I have the perfect book. And right. you might not ever get to the threshold where you say, okay, I'm, re I'm ready to let that out into the wild. The fact that I've had this incremental book out there available um, means every update now, well, it's something better than the book before. That That's a good thing. That's um, I, I can, it, it gets you past some of that fear. And I think software companies, do a similar thing of, you know, go to, go to market, launch with something people are willing to pay for, and then add features over time. And Kinexus has followed that playbook in a lot of ways over time, right? And it, it's interesting. A lot of times we talk about minimal viable product. And, and in this case, you know, releasing a word or a sentence wouldn't have probably been minimal viable because it would have provided no value to the person reading it. And so I think that's, it's always a struggle to recognize that sometimes minimal viable in, you know, one application can be a much, I mean, it could be a day's worth of work. Sometimes minimal viable in, in another application might be a year's worth of work, but kind of trying to figure out what that minimal viable is, is obviously going to be related to the person consuming or using or getting benefit from the service. So um, anyway, if we, we diverge before even our first panel question, but thanks for the update on Well, thank you. And thanks, thanks for asking about that. And again, the book is Measures of Success. If you Google it or go to measuresofsuccessbook.com, that's the website. Um, but we do have, we have a question uh, from Tuan who asked, how do, you how do you restart a culture that has slid backwards, meaning no continuous improvement activity in over six months? Do you, want, do you want to share some thoughts or ideas first, Greg? I mean, two two thoughts came to mind when when I started reviewing these questions. Thought number one is probably the exact same way it started at the beginning, and and then I immediately thought, well, wait a minute, hold on. There's probably a root cause or some work that needs to be done on figuring out well, why did it slide backwards, mm -hmm. and then that's probably the first thing to address, and then getting back. To that, those were kind of my initial takes on that. Mark, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think they're they're great thoughts. I mean, I, it's probably worth stepping back and pausing and saying, assuming there had been activity right. to try to figure out what happened, what changed. Is it as simple as leaders stopped going out and asking for ideas? 
Was there a lack of progress suddenly? You know, people weren't given time to work on improvements. Um, had somebody said something that was inadvertently discouraging in some way? Maybe you know a, a leader made a comment or you know that was misinterpreted, or they said something about you know big projects, and that led to people. Um, you know, maybe somebody was extolling the virtues of big ROI projects, and that led people to say, well, this continuous improvement stuff's not worth it then. So yeah, I think rather than just going back and repeating what what I mean, maybe it's the same things that launched it in the beginning, as I'm trying to trying to draw a chart of increased activity. Um, maybe there's some things, some of the same things would work, but I would agree it would be good to understand causes or root causes of decline. And if I had to put my money on a guess of of what what has happened in this organization, I'll bet there was a leadership change mm-hmm. when we we now. I mean, we're almost pushing 90 customers at Kinexus. We we do reviews and we kind of look in to see what kind of advice or recommendations or help do our customers need. We're able to, you know, pretty quickly look at um, a couple of different different charts and get a feel for the the health, so to speak, of of the culture. And typically, when we see changes in that health, we we track it back to oh, there was a leader change in some way that happened at that organization. What's interesting, Mark, is now that we've been, I mean, really been around now for six, seven years, there's one other thing that we see that often I think happens in healthcare more than other places, although we've had it with some of our non-healthcare customers as well, um, when there is some kind of acquisition that happens. So it's not infrequent that we've been at an organization that's ultimately been acquired and it always seems like that those organizations that were acquired, I mean, we're working with them, so they're, they're, they at least have a desire if they're not doing good improvement work already. And when, when there's that uncertainty, it's that kind of the trust from leadership and uncertainty that really can undermine these type of efforts because to really do this type of work, you need to have trust in an organization. People can't worry about, well, is the organization going to be around tomorrow? Is my job going to be around tomorrow? Those have to be like, those have to be givens. And then you have a stable foundation to actually do some real work. Yeah. Okay, well, let's let's move on to another question from Melody. And this is more Kinexus related. How can you print off our accomplishments out of a system like Kinexus? Well, I, I'll tell you, well, the question... Red, how do you print off accomplishments? So I'll, I'll answer that one, okay. and then I'll answer the one that you asked. So um, we actually have probably been through one REMA paper about every four years here in the in the Austin office, meaning we just don't use a lot of paper in general. And so for our Kinexus activities, everything just lives in Kinexus. Now, you can, of course, print... Different, uh, you know, improvements and our projects off of PDF, but but overall, we don't do a lot of printing um, because probably we just don't find it valuable, and we we look at it as a waste. And uh, from the perspective of what do what do we see our other Kinex customers, and and this gets into the to the to the idea that we are not developing this product for us; we're really developing it for customers, and our customers. They love to print, and so we are adding more and more um, print functionality throughout. But I, I personally think that the best way to print things is to is to really kind of highlight the improvement work itself 
I think that's the the, the biggest kind of um, most meaningful perhaps thing mm -hmm. that you could you could print out of it. I think accomplishments those are those are great for meetings or you know highlighting someone. I, I will tell you it's it's interesting. You know, my wife's a physician. She's an ER doctor. Has been one for uh, some time, and. Uh, she she got a and I know this isn't related to printing but it was it was still really interesting. Um, she got an email from her medical director just yesterday, where the medical director was like, "Wow, you had a really busy shift. Congratulations! You you know you really saw a lot of patients. Thank you for the work you do." And I mean, if you've met my wife, she's 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 pretty edgy. She doesn't she's not kind of a beat around the bush kind of person that needs these types of things. But you know, she said, "Hey, it's really nice to be appreciated." Mm -hmm. And so I think um, however you are highlighting people's accomplishments, appreciation, I think that that is that's probably the most important part of that question that yeah. people really like to be appreciated, even if you don't think they're the type of person that likes to be appreciated. So, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I see a lot of environments uh, where, where I'm coaching people and there's still value in printing something out and putting it up on a bulletin board, a huddle board in a department as I think two mechanisms. One, you mentioned recognition. Two, to help share and spread ideas. So obviously software, a system like Kinexus can help when you're going across distances, right? Multiple hospitals within a system. Me printing and something, putting, printing, uh, putting it up on the wall doesn't help similar departments in, in other sites. And so, yeah, I think sometimes when people use paper locally, using a computer system makes a lot of sense when you're trying to help uh, build bridges between departments and different parts of a larger organization. Excellent. But I think, I think this idea of recognition maybe ties into the next question here from William. I've been charged to, here's another question on revitalizing. That's interesting. To revitalize our continuous improvement process and make it more popular. Do you have any recommendation or guidance that can help. So I think, you know, we've already touched on the idea before of let's ask why, try to understand causes. But I, I mean, two, two thoughts come to, I'll, I'll add a thought beyond recognition and making sure giving recognition, not necessarily rewards, but recognition can help. I think it's, it's really important to connect to the question of what's in it for me, of not just asking people to do continuous improvement only for the sake of organizational goals. But I think it's a really valid question to ask, how can you make your work easier? How can you make your work less frustrating? That's a clear personal benefit. How can you get more enjoyment out of your work? And if you ask people to do that, you're gonna end up seeing organizational benefits in the metrics and the things that um, are measured. So I think it's not just about being selfish, but it's about, I think, inspiring people. There's nothing wrong, it's natural to have self-interest. I think it's interesting that the word popular was used. Um, I, I think of popular as like in high school, <laughs> who are the popular kids? And so I think um, I'm, I'm playing a little bit with that, that word, but also making it fun and making it less serious are going to be in, in, in kind of creating the word joy comes to mind, but it's not really joy, but almost like some flippancy about it. Like, hey, this let's, joy. Yeah. This is this is a time when we can kind of unplug from our work and we can think about 
kind of how to improve the work and and make it make it um, just a little bit lighter. And and I think that kind of goes along with hey, don't a lot of people get successful with not using a bunch of Japanese terms because as soon as you start using those, it becomes like, oh, I've got to learn another language, and this is serious and and difficult. So I think those are, you know, ways that you can certainly do it. And we talk a ton about leadership, and, and I really think that that's the most important thing is that leadership has to keep beating the drum. And 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 I think one of the best ways to beat the drum is to to not say, hey, we want your ideas, but hey, this is what we're doing in as leaders, this is what I do as lead as a you know a leader of this group to to make my workday a little bit easier and, and kind of leading by example. I think will ultimately create a uh, kind of a, a much more popular um, activity as well. Yeah. Um, instead of just kind of you know asking and asking and asking, but actually kind of doing and showing and. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think the word joy is is a great word. There's a wonderful book called Joy Inc. by Richard Sheridan, who's the CEO of a software development company in Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, uh, uh, Menlo Innovations. And so they talk about how do you create a joyful workplace. Um, My healthcare Kaizen book co-authors Health System, um, Joe Schwartz and Franciscan St. Francis in Indiana, they, as part of their Um, Catholic Mission is a a healthcare organization. They put the word joy front and center, joyful service, joyful care. Even um, W. Edwards Deming, going back to a different context and the quality movement, talked about joy in work. So I I, I think that emotion is a good one. Um, It makes me think Pascal Dennis, who used to work uh, Toyota in Ontario, when he talks about the idea of a Kaizen spirit, a continuous improvement spirit, he uses the word playfulness. And there's this interesting balance of like really serious work, but yet being able to step back and be playful, I think helps with creativity and and, and helps spark improvement. Good question. All right, so there's another question, um, a little bit more about Kinexus, uh, the company. You mentioned earlier, Greg, you know, the company's been around for a while. And this question says basically, uh, do you still consider yourselves a quote unquote startup? So that, that's a great question. I've been asked that before by other folks as well as myself. And I guess really the definition of a startup in many ways, there's a couple of different avenues you could look at. So one, it's how long have you been around? Two, it's are you solving a problem that's been solved before, right? So for example, if, if I was a, a plumber and I was going to start a plumbing business, to me, that's that's less of a startup because there are other people that provide plumbing services. That doesn't mean that starting a plumbing business isn't a really difficult and intellectual and super interesting thing. And you could probably add lots of innovation to that experience in general. But I, I think most people wouldn't consider opening up, you know, putting your shingle out for a plumbing business to be a startup. So I definitely think there has to be a an aspect of, um, of has the problem been solved before or are you are you is the way you're solving it so different than anything else that's out there and um, and then I think the third thing has to do with uh, your probably your finances um, you know are you 
are you living on investor money or are you um, kind of growing on your own funds? Are you taking money out of the business? And so, so kind of with the recognition that there's probably several different ways you could kind of look at that. I think the important thing is that, you know, whether you're a startup or not probably has more to do with just your mindset of, of what you're doing than, than any of those other variables. And so I would say in many ways that we are still a startup and um, I hope that that's a mindset that we, we take forever and there's at least a, a component of that in Kinexus. So, yeah, I mean, you know, startup, you know, it's a good point that it's maybe a mindset. Um, you know, there's no hard boundaries. And at some point, you know, uh, do you call yourself a, a small high growth company, a startup? It's just a label. You can do startup activities within a large company. And I think that's, in, you know, to me, the lean startup movement and Eric Reese has evolved from Silicon Valley software, web-based startups. You know, it wasn't all that he framed it as originally, but it's, it's expanded to where, you know, large companies are saying we, we need to do innovative things, you know, internal startups, intrapreneurship to use that term. But, you know, I pulled up the Eric Reese definition that he uses that a startup is a human institution designed to deliver a new product or service. So you, you touched on this is what Kinexus is doing uh, new anymore. I mean, it depends on how you define new. You know, we've been on the market seven years. Or, or is it just being new relative to other things that exist? Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's judgment around new under conditions of extreme uncertainty. Right. So has Kinexus passed the point, you know, early on when, when I was working uh, with you and, and your, the other co-founder, Matt, there was there was extreme uncertainty of right. would anybody actually buy this? Right, right. Know, and, and that threshold was passed. And then there were questions, you know, uncertainty or extreme uncertainty of would anybody outside of healthcare start right. using Kinexus? And so, I mean, I think as it's evolved, you know, I throw it back to you that, that you know, there's always some uncertainty. Maybe it's beyond right. the period of, quote unquote, extreme uncertainty. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's a it, it, I, that's an interesting kind of aspect. We, we certainly are. As, as every day and every year goes by, the, the uncertainty factor goes down um, significantly. And so it's, it's, it's fun in our, in our annual and mid-annual meetings. I, have a, I always have a slide that says we've never had you know, more paying customers, more financial stability and, um, than, than we have today. And so, yeah, so many of the, if you were to apply his definition, then, then perhaps you would maybe say that we're 25% a startup. Maybe, maybe it's a kind of a gradation, but I, I think that the more valuable thing to take from it would simply be that kind of here are a, the, the value of just thinking through different definitions and different kind of categorizations of what could be a startup and then determining um, maybe maybe there's a an aspect of, well, you know, within operations, you probably don't want to be a startup for Kinexus because we're not inventing new security kind of procedures and new accounting things. I mean, that's an area that we should be kind of doing bread and butter, well-established principles, but in the, the realm of what does a continuous improvement platform have in it, that's an area where we can be a lot more innovative. So maybe even within a small company, there can be different kind of divisions that are acting more like a small high growth company and other ones that are acting more like a startup. So 
interesting. We took that question a lot further than I thought it was going to go. All right. Um, another question here from uh, Zoltan. Can lean be sustained, and maybe we could say more broadly, continuous improvement, other methods, if employee turnover at the shop floor is, is constantly at high rates, 25 to 35%, and there are no short or midterm chances to reduce it? If so, I guess, if it, uh, what, what would be a good strategy for keeping lean active and live? So, well, I, and let me jump in first. I mean, I think the first thing, um, if there is really high turnover, that that's certainly that's a challenge. That adds a lot of cost to the organization. That can affect quality. It can affect all sorts of things that matter. So I would suggest, I mean, you know, what can you do to apply lean? Or I think of the Kaizen mindset. What can you do to revert to reduce turnover? Mm -hmm. Or could you do an A3 and sit down and try to identify what are some of the reasons uh, that our current state is what it is? Are there some root causes for turnover? Are there some countermeasures that could be tested to try to reduce turnover? I think that's a perfect problem to try to solve with lean methods. And I think there's a second dynamic of when you engage people in continuous improvement, I would propose my hypothesis would be people will be happier and more satisfied and less frustrated, and they're more likely to stay, mm -hmm. which then reduces turnover. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts, Greg? I mean, and not not to just necessarily throw it at Kinexus. Kinexus has very low turnover. Right. I think you've helped create a culture where people really uh, enjoy working and are doing good work. But so I, I find. Well, I, thank you, Mark. I we we have been really blessed with uh, an extremely low turnover rate um, here, and and I think that's that's super important for a company early on. Um, getting into the nuts and bolts of this this question, so I found this question, and my initial thoughts were much along yours, which is why is there such a high turnover rate in this? And then I was thinking, do do they really have kind of a, a lean practice and a lean you know methodology, and 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 are are they because it says keeping it alive and active. So there's a part of me that thinks, okay, so places that are doing these principles really well don't have high turnovers. And then I was thinking, well, maybe maybe the inherent, it would just be interesting to, to talk more to this person. Maybe the inherent business has a high turnover. So we have, for example, a camp count, a, a camp that um, uses Kinexus and, and does a lot of continuous improvement work. And they have about 50 core people that are are there year round, but then they, they swell up to maybe a thousand people during the during the summer because they're counselors and counselors are probably only be counselors for a couple of years while they're in college or late high school or just out of college and so you know perhaps perhaps that is the, the kind of questioning so i was just very interested in are there for example there's a there's a company in town that you can call to get if you want laborers to come out and do yard work or whatnot a lot of people use that company in between jobs or to pick up extra work. So maybe inherently in the workforce of that company, it just kind of has a consistent kind of built in, like maybe Uber and Lyft have that, that issue as well. But I would certainly agree that it's going to be much harder to, to establish an organ, kind of a culture in an organization where there is such high turnover because 
it's typically not the way business gets done. Having said that, when you people are going to need to get some kind of you know training, even if it's just a 30-minute primer or an hour to say, hey, this is the way we do things here. So I think you you probably could um, be successful if there was some inherent reason why the company had that turnover rate that was outside the confines of, oh, well, this is just an awful place to work. Did we lose you, Mark? We may have lost Mark. All right, so I'm gonna go to the next question. If whoever is listening to, oh, yeah, Mark said that go to meeting just crash for him, so I'll keep going. Um, next question, how to keep everyone active given a number of green belt and black belts were trained, but then no improvements further? That's, that's interesting. So I would, I would question, so what we see a lot of the times is there is this kind of inherent thought process that just because you train somebody means that they're going to take that training and then apply it into their work. It's, it's one of the misconceptions that we we continually see and so i'm always of the opinion that less training is better at the beginning versus more training and i think that the the easiest way to kind of create that feedback loop of, of that the habit feedback loop is to make sure that the reward of something can be kind of tied to the action of it which is why sometimes these really large organizations that have um that have a focus on really large scale projects are hard to sustain because the one, sometimes these projects that last a year or two are no longer relevant by the time they're done, but the activity and the reward are so kind of disconnected that people don't recognize that their improvement work is actually having an effect on things. And so, uh, my, my recommendation here would be to, to really start with really small, low-cost, low-risk things, and then when you've established that a person already has that mentality and that habit, that would be the best time to, to train someone in a more formalized kind of green belt or black belt um, approach because they've already built the actions around um, doing improvement work. You're just giving them more training to do that work even better and have more of an impact. So. So I just got a little message from Mark that says that I should wrap up without him because his computer is um, not deciding to come back up. So I want to thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the most recent Ask Us Anything. I know we'll do one next month, and I know we have a really great webinar coming up as well um, that Lean Frontiers is going to be hosting. And unfortunately, I don't have the, the date because Mark was supposed to do that part. But please do go to our website at kinex.com, and there is a webinars area there that will tell you the topic and the date of that, and you can sign up for it. You can also, at that place, get a huge library. Someone I was meeting someone just a, a couple weeks ago that was just impressed by the amount of, of webinars we had, and I, I didn't even realize we had so many until I realized, well, we've been putting out webinars on a monthly basis um, sometimes multiple a month for many, many years now. And it's it's really created a really nice library of information as a resource. So 
Thank you very much for joining us. And we will reach out to, to folks if we didn't get to your questions or they will be on the next Ask Us Anything. And please remember that there's no better day than today that keeps spreading continuous improvement. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>